Some films are mediocre Some films aren't good or bad Some films won't win an Oscar Globe, BAFTA, or a SAG You like those flicks? Come get your fix In a podcast called Mixed Bag Kia ora! Welcome to Mixed Bag, where we review the mixed, muddled, and meh films throughout film history. I'm doing my voice, and I'm James. I'm Cassandra. This is my regular voice, I think. Who's doing voices? I'm Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I could just hear my radio voice starting to come through. No, 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 he was correct. He was doing a very much radio voice. getting a little formal. But it was nice. It was like you were advertising our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) It was like a, you know, I wanted you to tell me some specials. Yeah, this brings us to a new thing that we've never done before. But (gasps) talking of advertising, (laughs) we actually have a new review. Um, and I'm just gonna... I feel like we should have a segment in which we read the reviews, but uh, because we've never had one before... <laughs> yeah, Brave New World, what do we call this? Um, so, what should we call it? Like, uh, the... the review, review corner. Cri- from the critics or something? Review yeah, corner? review from the critics. Um, so this is by Schmookus Schmiel. What a wonderful name. Um, what, a, what a foreign sounding name. Clearly someone from a far off land. And God. he's given it five stars and he says a very good podcast wow amazing this is my new favorite podcast i love everything about it apart from some of matt's bits i could do without them but everything else is perfect five stars well i don't think we could ask for a better review than that well guess what schmuckus i'm not gonna change not gonna change for you not gonna change for anybody so you know come come on the pod schmuckus but i will keep those five stars thank you Thank you very much. Um, you know. And yes, if you would like to have your review read out on our podcast in View Review Corner, View from the Critics, whatever we'll, it is, we'll workshop uh, it. Just please, please Critics give us Corner? one. Is that anything? Once, we'll if work. it becomes a regular segment, we'll have to think of a better name. <laughs> um, I'm all for the alliteration all the time. All right. So how are we, team? We're in day um, Easter of quarantine. I don't day know. Easter of quarantine. <laughs> Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is risen. All of that. Yeah. Get those. Uh, whoa, I was about to say bugs. Eggs. <laughs> did, did you combine bunnies and Honestly, eggs into I, bugs? <laughs> I thought you were going to say bunnies. Like, for real. But... Well, yeah. I mean, James and I were very grown up this morning and that we had our Easter morning chocolate. Obviously, you do have it at breakfast time. That's traditional. Um, yeah. But we, you know, had half a bunny each. And we were like, you know what? I'm going to wrap this in foil and save for later. And mm. I felt very mature. We're going to have an afternoon quite, bunny. Quite, yeah. Mm. No, is that? I hope that's not code for anything. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt has definitely had some chocolate because the first image that we were greeted to when he started this Zoom session was a was it a marshmallow? No, uh, half half eaten marshmallow egg. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was an incredible image to be greeted with. Um, and yeah. yeah, all of our tech is still going fine. We're still doing this lockdown system, which is turning out pretty well. And we hope you're enjoying the more regular episodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What else? Other stuff have we got up to? Look, we're just um, surviving. Just surviving. <laughs> taking it day, gonna... taking it day by day. Day by day. Yeah. I, I, one of my hobbies. Um, I'm, I'm a person of many hobbies. You guys that listen to this podcast will soon learn. Um, and one of my hobbies is uh, writing murder mystery uh, games That's for right. my friends. I did That's a, right. um, a Zoom online murder mystery party last night, which was really fun. It was incredible. 
uh yeah I, I realized at the last minute that i'd given myself this robot character to perform but i did not have any costume but i did have a whole lot of white and black face paint so i created like a, a gray palette robot face paint for myself um yeah, we have photographic evidence, so yep. we can um, put that up on the, the Instagram. Also, nobody correctly guessed the murderer or their... Um, oh, their no. Oh, yeah. but that's I realized, sad. like, you know, if I find another 20 group of 24 friends, <laughs> um, we could actually redo some of these parties I mean, again. that's so. the only 24 you're going to have, so... Yeah, I think the need is there. <laughs> like, uh, Cass's, Cass's murder mysteries, like, TM, TM, yeah, TM. there's three to choose from. You've got the settings of... 1920s literary society steampunk inventor workshop or like sometime 20th century broadway three different yeah. murders to choose from. Uh, what kind of hams was it smoked hams no dancing hams dancing hams smoked hams. In that one. Yeah. um but yes yeah, so this is the stuff i do for fun because i like to constantly work apparently <laughs> and i'm like fun i guess i need to write 24 character profiles you know in who, a short amount of time you know who else has weird hobbies james because if you check out our mixed bag twitter Yes. The memes have been popping up. <laughs> yes, we've been activating our Twitter a little bit more, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, our regular listeners, as well as some who haven't been on the pod yet, have been tuning in. So make sure to uh, go over to Mixbag Pod. Um, that one's not called Podcast because Twitter's a bit hip. It's a bit cool. So uh, just remember that it's Pod, not Podcast. Uh, and so we've got two dope memes, as the kids say, on there. Uh, <laughs> Our first was Man I don't even covering his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh oh there's you can only pick you can only keep three, uh where we have the highlights of our mix. Do bag. we need to discuss in detail? <laughs> yeah, the we're gonna detail every meme created but yeah, over the course um, of the week. Jump on the Twitter if you want and um, check yeah, out. Yeah, you'll stuff. see James constantly pretending that mixed bag is not run by him, like <laughs> yeah. having like conversations with the account as if he does not run both accounts. I mean, who's to know? Um, also, there's a nice photoshopped image there of the 1997 Call Me By Your Name by, mm. I don't know, someone who gifted it to someone in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> to know who that is, but okay. No, actually. No, no credit. No, it was, it was Lucas. Okay. I've known him this whole time. Surprise. <laughs> Mind blown. Oh my gosh. This is a it's turn like for Matt, the books. Matt is dropping a bit. Perhaps he's responding to the criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Reviews do actually matter. Reviews matter, guys. That's, by that random dude should, Schmooka Schmeel that we don't know. That's why you should send us a review. We might actually change our behavior. <laughs> Talking of, of work that we have produced ourselves, although I have not produced this, but I'm shouting out something that uh, a theatre company that uh, Cass and myself are involved with and Matt has been involved with um, in the past as an alumni, as a writer and an actor. Yeah, we've uh, had on and off flings here and there. Yeah, is uh, Red Scare today is dropping their soundtrack of The Bone Thief. Yeah, this is a musical that I wrote uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we've been very, very slowly working on the soundtrack ever since then um, with a lot of love and uh, gumption and uh, limited resource uh, and a lot of work over a lot of periods of time. Um, and it's very, very cool to get to finally listen to it. It sounds very, very awesome. Yeah, um, a huge, huge thank you to all of the, the cast, the yeah, band. the cast, and the band, and Katie and Patrick for doing the mixing and mastering. Um, and, yeah, you can go and find that at redscaretheatre.bandcamp.com uh, and have a listen slash buy it. It starts at the low, low pr- price of $5 for the full album plus a digital lyrics booklet. Um, but you can pay more if you want to donate to the theatre company. Sounds like a bargain uh, to me. So yeah. I guess that's also linking it's, over to don't the Don't you think it's a steal? Okay, yes. <laughs> All right. 
because um basically a lot of uh, my pop cultural uh intake this week has been uh listening to various different iterations of the soundtrack over and over as we get to the final mix so now here we are pop corner pop 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 corner um i guess the big one for me is i started and finished in the span of two and a half days le cercle france I don't know if that's how they say it there. So it was the Circle France, and I binged all 12 episodes because they released them all at once. And, you know, Circle is always a good time for me. There are two grannies. Catfishing is a young 25-year-old boy. There are um, twins, again. Um, look, just so many good stuff. These Isn't two... it worth your time? Yeah, I reckon, yeah. We're uh, four episodes in. Yeah. We're taking it slow taking because, it slow you know, we did, we we're did... in a lockdown. You know, we did binge our way through US and Brazil. We wanted to stretch this one out a little bit more. But yeah. the, the, the two grains are really worth your time alone. <laughs> um, very, very good. Yeah, it's great fun. They have no clue around what memes are. Um, Their hashtags yeah. are just like, hashtags. they're a gas, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> they are a gas. <laughs> um, what, what else have we been watching? One of the things that I've been watching is um, Crashing, um, which... Uh, on New Year's, I mistakenly mixed it up with something else that I think Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge did, which was like friend something with friends. What's it called? What? It, it's a bad thing on Netflix. Crashing what? is not a bad thing. Um, I, <laughs> so I want. I had thought that Crashing was like this, like schlocky, like bad TV show. Oh, Crashing uh, is perfect. But yeah. you thought that you realized that you were mixing the name I up with a different television show. Mixed it up with something show. else. Crash so. two thousand and four. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> potential did... mixed bag honestly okay. yeah um it's a great tv show um and it's by phoebe waller bridge who did fleabag and she's got her upcoming run coming up with donal uh gleason um where she stars donal? again herself donal 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 i, I think it it's, is donal i think it's, it's definitely donal, not but it's definitely not, not donal it's one of those like Irish. names yeah. yeah yeah i've just run it together but i gotta run it a little bit more together gotta lied some yeah. more mm. um crashing's great it it is um it feels like a, a kind of a younger work from phoebe where it's like quite sitcom-y but uh the absurdity curve can Ooh. really escalate um it, but it by saying like it's a younger work that doesn't mean any of it is no the inferior. writing is still pretty sharp Oh yeah. yeah, there's a there's a great cast of characters, um, and it's uh, like less than ten episodes, so it's short and spicy. Yeah, which is kind of heartbreaking as well because it's clear that they, that, like, it's being set up for a second season, which never came. And I want another one. Yeah, she should wind back around to it and see where they're at, ten or well, whatever. I mean, many years I later. feel like most of those actors, wherever they are now, will probably drop whatever they're doing for Phoebe. But you know, they sure. contracts and stuff. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, what have I been doing? I'm actually sitting here going like, what have I been doing for the past week? (laughs) (laughs) She's been productive and not watching media. (laughs) Have I watched much media? I don't know. I've been listening to a few podcasts just sort of catching up on all of our podcast listening, which is great. All of our Shout out a couple. Um, I mean, so podcast wise, like, uh, definitely would recommend people listen to Scam Goddess if you're not listening to that already. Um, listen to, I haven't listened to their most recent episode yet, but um, I've just put up on the week before, which was uh, talking about Caroline Calloway. Oh, I love her. I will always appreciate any Carolyn Calloway content. Love this is with Jamila Jamil, a scammer in her own right, uh, yeah. coming on to talk about Carolyn Calloway. I um, have not listened to good. Scam Queen. 
Scam Goddess? Scam Goddess. Scam Queen is better. I don't know why. But Scam Goddess is good because the theme song is just like a tra- just a banger track in its own right. And it works gotcha. very well for the theme song. But I am intrigued by that title of pod. So there you, you go. You will definitely you love it. It's, <laughs> it's only a fairly recent oh, podcast nice. as well. So that you could easily catch up with it. Nice. Um, and with a little few listens. Mm. Um, yeah, so shout out to Scam Goddess. Great, great podcast. Any other pop corner, or shall we move to? Yeah, a- I mean, I like. I think we've all been kind of watching in and out of films. I think the best film I've watched this week is um, "Damsels in Distress" by Whit Stillman, which is you know got Greta Gerwig in the lead role, and she's like utterly charming in it. Like, if you don't know who Whit Stillman is, he did. Um, I guess the best reference point is "Love and Friendship," that Kate Beckinsale, mm. um, mm. Jane Austen vehicle. But like, um, this is, I guess college students in in the early 2000s and like Whit Stillman just like got a particular style of like writing and like speech patterns which is really cool um and Greta is so winning in it I wish she doesn't stop acting because she's great and um what else can I say it's like a like a fun kind of precocious kind of um peculiar film it's like so dry like I guess Wes Anderson is like a good kind of but he was doing that before Wes was, and he's a lot funnier, so, and sharper. No, like, no shade to Wes, because I love him. The the superior Anderson. Uh, but, uh, no, actually, although Phantom Thread, hmm, it's close, okay? Look, we could, we could have a whole podcast discussion, <laughs> I'm sure, of the, the Anderson films. Yeah. <laughs> Where else um, did you uh, watch it? Uh... You just found it. It was a DVD. <laughs> you just found it. House. It fell to the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah. So we'll that's say no me. more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want to see, look how how incredibly talented Greta Gerwig is, um, go check out some of her acting. She's great in Mistress America, Twentieth Century Women, Frances Ha, and Damsels in Distress. I've got one final um, uh, shout out is I've been working through my DVD collection uh, of films that I have not been, I have not watched yet. Um, And so I did two uh, recently, both of which kind of felt like mixed bags for this pod, actually. Uh, And I know I say that all the time and I get criticism from my other hosts. Mixed bag, like his his mixed bag. uh, Like if you could do it in meme format, it's like no one blank James. This film is a mixed bag. Pretty much, pretty much. His mixed bag threshold is extremely I, high. But these two, I actually believe, are. Um, so uh, the, the the two that I've, I've got through so far are Swingers, um, which uh, was John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, uh, which uh, was acclaimed at the time, like, oh, the new Tarantino, Tarantino meets Seinfeld, um, which, yeah, had, had like its merits, but um, I'm, I'm not sure if it, like, has aged particularly well. James ended up with this DVD because one of his co workers marched in one day and said, James, you like film. You have to watch this and then gave him the DVD. No, but it's a lovely gesture. <laughs> Shout and out to Shayla. You know who you are. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> now he said it. <laughs> now he said it. And the other film that I watched um, that we won actually in a quiz together um, uh, with the New Zealand Film Festival was American Animals. Um, oh, yeah. Cool. I haven't not seen. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was sitting there and I was like, ah, oh, why not? Um, so it's by the same director who did um, The Imposter and they like playing with like oh, documentary, cool. but then also um, some uh, uh, fiction. Um, so it's a play with like what is real, what is not in this kind of thing. Like all documentary mm-hmm. films are uh, constructed and fabricated. Um, and so this has Barry Keegan um, from Killing of a Sacred Deer and... Kogan? Um, Kogan? Yeah, uh, I'm getting all the names wrong I don't today. know. I don't know. It's a hard one. It's got an yeah. E and an O. You got to well, sort of flip, well, the def- back, flip the coin on it. Definitely Phil Kogan, the guy from The Amazing Race, goes by Kogan. Kogan. I thought he was Keegan, so uh, Kogan, there we go. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, okay. It's, yeah. it's got him, and um, the other guy has a really bland name. I think it's like Evan Peters. Yep, who's yep. in Oh, great. <laughs> yep. I got it. Um, the what X-Men like series. What a teenage best friend name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plays... It's, it's the one you fall in love with who you're not, like, you don't realize you've been in love with the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He's always been Evan there. Peters is Evan, the name Evan Peters is the name of, like, yeah. I think Evan Peters is, like, the name of your brother's best friend that comes around and hangs out and plays video <laughs> games, and you never have a proper conversation yeah. with him. Um, he plays Quicksilver in the X-Men series is probably where he's most well known for not in the marvel but in the x-men you know he's got that big scene where he runs and I it's guess. cool i think I, don't know. I think people know him from the uh, i mean i don't even watch the show but it's like the american horror story franchise where oh yes yeah no he features there too yeah um, i mean he's he's was infamously in a rocky relationship with one emma roberts and um you know there oh. you go yeah and he was also in pose where he was very hot so there you go it also nice. features uh this film features my close personal friend and dowd uh, <laughs> oh, character actress and Dowd. Character actress and yes. She doesn't actually uh, like include that. She's, she's done an article being like, don't call me a character. If it's good enough for Margot Martindale, it's good enough for <laughs> Endowed. And um, Margot and Martindale is our premier character actress. Yeah, there's a hierarchy. <laughs> um, it's all about a, um, it's kind of like young disillusioned youth that like want something exciting. And so they decide to steal this like very famous um, book of birds um, oh, uh, so along with the gold Charles Darwin. I'm kidding. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. Uh, and Anne Dowd is the librarian that um, protects it. And basically, it's like uh, both this and and swingers were about you. like people that are obsessed with like trying Don't to be cool. Don't steal that book. <laughs> it's just a Julia. It sounds like Julia, Julia Child. Child. Julia Child <laughs> protecting the the bird book. Um, uh, like generation obsessed with like uh, cool and like the kind of Tarantino aesthetic. It's quite fun at patches, but then when the robbery actually occurs, um, it gets quite shouty. And, and manic the best section is when they dress up as old men uh their first attempt to rob the book because they thought they would be more inconspicuous if they were old and they're wearing all of this terrible makeup um like you would expect from like a high school production of i don't know death of a salesman cool. but uh yeah it's uh it doesn't quite stick the landing but interesting i, I mean, just look, saw the old man part and that part was good so if you want to watch I mean, that scene i good. have not seen that um <laughs> But yeah, this is one released a couple of years ago. But, you know, James's description has actually made me want to pick it up and, and see it. Dive so yeah. it worked on me. So look, I'm very impressionable today. Thanks, James and Schmookus. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that, should we get to our feature presentation? Feature presentation. So our feature presentation today is Interstellar by Christopher Nolan, released in 2013, I think it is? 14, 14. Oh, 14. Yeah. Um, starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, among others. Sorry, it's starring Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and... 
leading actors, Chalamet, Cast. in the huge, huge role <laughs> of young Tom. Tom. Yeah. Tom. Right. Yeah. Um, so this was my pick, um, and I will get into a little bit about why I chose it as a mixed bag right now. Um, so I was a big <laughs> unnecessary segue, but okay. Right now, it's like a radio radio host. Um, so I was a big Christopher Nolan fan. Um, I, you know, went to midnight screenings of The Dark Knight, what have you, like um, uh, the Dark and, Midnight. Yeah, the Dark <laughs> Dark Late at Night. Um, yeah, and I I think we're, something about like his like technical finesse. Those directors like Kubrick, you start as a, a young teen being like oh my god this guy's a fucking genius he just gets film um which is something that uh i think the the fandom has problems but actually liking these directors like there's no no worries with that because um he is an incredible uh filmmaker and he does make really interesting films um mm. so i would watch every one of his films um but uh started getting a bit of a quaver in uh the dark knight rises um and then uh i interstellar was the one that i dropped off on i i decided not to see it in the theater um because I felt, at least in New Zealand, uh, what, from what I remember at the time, that people either really loved this film or, or, or quite disliked it. That it, it's kind of it was going all out with the the technical. He was going big on the cameras, and some people didn't buy the emotional heft of the story. Some people absolutely did, and we'll get into that kind of later where we kind of landed on that. But something around space and um the the story just wasn't hooking to me um and even though it did very well um uh, financially i feel like that some people are in the similar kind of boat that they've never kind of ticked off um interstellar as much as something like uh you know inception uh his or the dark knight his biggest loudest blockbusters well no this so. is all what mixed bag is for for taking off those those niggling bits of, of your backlog. Yeah. Oh, not, a euf- not a euphemism, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just the niggling bits of, of your back in general. <laughs> um, so that's my history. I never saw it. Uh, I've now seen it for the first time. Yeah, I had never seen it either. Um, so both of us watched it for the first time together. Mm. Um, I did not recall any of the conversation around this film when it came out. I just remember, I just get it mixed up with all the other space films because, uh, <laughs> as you guys will learn, I do not really tend to see many space films. Um, I don't love space films, I guess, as a genre. And so Interstellar, uh, after having seen it now, I know which one it is, but I would get it mixed up with <laughs> Gravity and The Martian and Ad Astra and like all the other ones that are involved with space that have happened in the last decade. Would you um, still, even after seeing no, it? No, no, after having seen it now, I haven't, but the thing is I hadn't seen any of those films, and so I'm like, okay, there's one there's one with somebody in space, another one with another person in to space. To be fair, yeah. like, they kind of share this all the same people, so like Matt Damon is in this, and also is The Martian, you know? Like, yeah. And Jessica Chastain is in this, and The Martian also, so... There we go. You it's know? like they had some spare time left over in the green screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like, let's just do another space film here. We've got, this, we've got the ship already. Down Ridley and... Scott just patching patching over to Chris Nolan. He's just like, like, Chris, can you just leave the set up <laughs> for like a couple more weeks yeah. and we'll just jump in there? Cool. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, what was your relationship with this film, Matt? Well, honestly, like, I mean, back then, Christopher Nolan was like a huge name. He was just coming off Inception. I 
am, you know, by nature, like, weary of someone who gets too big too fast. Like, I was just like, okay. And I, you know, I didn't particularly love Inception. I think it's an amazing concept, but I think there's too much that, you know, it's too bogged down by how much in love with it it is with, with um, it, the concept and explaining the concept. So, um, uh, and even though Inception was a huge hit, um, Interstellar was kind of the next step. He was going bigger, grander, and I was just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. But um, because I'm a cinephile, I still wanted to see it. Um, but I couldn't find... I don't know who I was hanging out with in 2014, but I could not convince anyone to go see this with me. <laughs> so I saw this in the cinema, and I didn't really like it. Um, and we'll see how I feel about it now. Also, actually, when this first came out, this... Uh, because, you know, you can imagine from, from, all, from all the um, acclaim... And um, the swath of fanboys that like Christopher Nolan has amassed with with the Dark Knight and um, um, Inception, a lot of people were looking forward to Interstellar, but you know, uh, yeah. And upon release, some people thought it was a disappointment. I think a lot of those are fanboys. Um, critically, it was you know about the same. But you know, uh, yeah, we've got some opinions about yeah. Interstellar, and we'll get into it. Right now. <laughs> I think we should just, every time we finish talking, we should just segue to right the now. next sentence. Um, so segment, our, our, our recurring segment that we've been doing for the past few episodes, which we like a lot, is our movie in a minute. Um, and the challenge. One of us uh, is tasked each week with describing the plot of the film in a single minute. Um, and so it's my turn this week. Yeah, this week it's Casbot 3000. Very apt. It's Casbot 3000's turn. Um and so James is going to do the timing, and I'm going to attempt to explain what happens in Interstellar in one minute. I'll give you a halfway and then a 10 seconds as well. Alrighty. Alright, and go. It's the near future. Matthew McConaughey used to be an astronaut that worked for NASA, but now everything's gone really bad. There's this big blight that is taking over the world and making all the crops fail, and so now he, like so many other people in America, have become a farmer. He's got two children. One is Murph. She's his favourite. She's the daughter. She's really smart. The other one is another guy. He's played by Timothy Chalamet. Can't remember his name. They think he's going to be a farmer when he grows up. So there's this ghost or something that's host- uh, it's haunting their apartment, and there's all these books that keep falling down that's in Murph's bedroom, and Matthew McConaughey thinks that it's definitely not a ghost, Halfway. and she thinks that it is. Um, and so they decide they interpret some sort of weird things from books falling off the shelves from the ghost that leads them to the coordinates of the secret NASA space station. They drive there to the NASA space station. NASA discovers that there's a plan that they've got to uh, send people. They've sent people through this wormhole that's leaked to Saturn and to go and find some other planets that humans could relocate to. And they're like, Matthew McConaughey, seconds. you've got to go with us. And so Matthew McConaughey gets in the spaceship. He leads everybody behind. He goes through the wormhole. He goes to find some other planets. Then uh, he goes with Anne Hathaway. She's there as well. And then they find some planets. Um, and thank you for thank through. you for describing half of the first act of <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> we are hooked. So Interstellar, I mean, I can continue to describe the plot without the timer, but uh, this is a complicated plot one, guys. This yeah. one's very That's hard true. to do in one Matt, minute. Do you want to take the second half of it, like we did with Imaginarium? <laughs> All right. All right. Three, two, one. Go. So Matthew McConaughey gets sent to space with um, Anne Hathaway and company. They go find um, the f- initial twelve. Like there are three people who come back from initial missions, telling that their planet has something to offer. So they go to each one of those. Um, go to the first one. It's a disaster. Now they only have fuel to like pick one or the other. They pick the one that. Um, one of them is Anne Hathaway's old lover. The other one is Matt Damon, who's the lead of the old expedition. They go to Matt Damon's planet. Halfway. Um, and then uh, he betrays them. Um, so now they have to go 
solve time. I don't know. And um, so they go out of this planet. Matthew McConaughey launches Anne Hathaway um, to the planet of her old lover to see if she can thrive there. Ten seconds. But Matthew McConaughey goes through time and space, goes through this wormhole, and then sends the coordinates to Jessica Chastain, who is Murph in the future, to solve time and time. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> time up. Um, so yeah, he, he goes to a black hole, uh, and then he used, the black hole connects to the childhood bedroom of his daughter, so and then he's the ghost. He was the ghost. He's the one. He's sending messages yeah, across time and gravity so that Murph can... Um, yeah, find the correct solution to save the planet. Um, other major plot element that we didn't talk about is that uh, time is affected by gravity, and so when they go to the first bad planet, um, they real they actually go forward like twenty three years That's in right. Earth years in yeah. the future, um, and yeah. so because uh, every, all Earth has it, grown into Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Every hour in the first planet is seven years yes. on Earth, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a lot so of movie. They're for like three and a bit of hours, and so then they've aged like twenty three years. That's pretty rough. Also, and if we're not talking about Gravity, twenty thirteen, director Alfonso Cuarón, starring Sandra Bullock, George Clooney. That is not the Gravity we're talking about. We're talking about Gravity. Who knows? Um, gravity. Gravity. Uh, Isaac, Isaac Newton. Newton. <laughs> <laughs> the OG Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> when he created it, when he invented it himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Where does the word gravity come from? It's a good word, you know? Thanks for your insight, James. <laughs> just, just thoughts for the day. If anyone want, um, any of our listeners want to look that up and let us know, please do. Grave? Yeah. I don't know. Grave? Who knows? Um, so it's that, yeah, the, yeah, the end of the plot. So inside the black hole, it communicates, talks through time, sends through some important information Messages, from yeah. uh, Robot Tars, played by my close personal friend, Bill Irwin. Bill Irwin. Um, and Tars tells uh matthew mcconaughey had a, some binary stuff he tells yeah. this to a watch that he gave to his daughter in the past yeah. and then it go then somehow he's transported into a spaceship and he gets found by somebody else and transported to a satellite that his daughter who's now an old ellen burston who's like about to die yeah. um has created and yeah. he uh <laughs> what's the final stage um, he wants to go to a a planet, doesn't it? And we realised that with the with the last like power of space fuel, they sent Anne Hathaway to the planet that her ex lover was on, and mm. she's set up a new colony there because it is the only planet that's possibly inhabitable. And yeah. now all the humans are going to move there. Yeah, and her lover has passed away, and we get the sense that Matthew McConaughey, who has gotten to know her across the course of the film, is going to travel time and space and to see gravity her. to see her. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know if he makes it. We don't. Cuts to black. They also seem to like steal a spaceship at the end. Some like yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That old rascal. Some real Um, hijinks. Also, guys, Tars is a robot. Just in case you didn't know. Yes, I think I did say Tars was a robot, uh, (laughs) but yeah. (laughs) Um, Can I introduce? uh, So there's some new structure, new framing being suggested. Suggested. Oh yeah, we're gonna do things a little bit different in this pod today. The the first. It's a yeah, cultural okay. reset. <laughs> so the first thing that I wanted us to do is I wanted us to open the bag. <laughs> so the bag is now open. <laughs> okay. This mixed bag. And so, so, so okay. I'd it's a like workshop to... episode. <laughs> so you know how in lolly bags, and I've always imagined our mixed bag is a lolly bag, right? Sure. 
Okay. I've always loved the bottles. Milk bottles and Coke bottles. I'm a big fan of them bottles. I don't know if you guys agree with this. But I'm a big fan of the bottle, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we all like bottles. Um, and so when I'm in a lolly bag, I look for them bottles. So I don't. you guys don't have to partake in this, but... I'm when we talk about I the... do not understand what yeah. you're talking I'm, about. So, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So this part is about mixed bags, right? And looking in the lolly bag. So in this film, I'm looking for the the bottles. So you're meaning the good bits of the film. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The good bits. So <laughs> This is an extended metaphor, but basically we are now going to talk about the positive aspects of the film. So I'm looking... <laughs> you guys might be looking for good things. I'm looking for the bottles in the bag, right? <laughs> Them bottles in that bag. Very subjective. Like... <laughs> <laughs> where the bottles at all right um sour candies time um so yeah there's some cool stuff in this film um i want to go to what you just mentioned before because i have some wild news about our favorite character the the uh, mvp timothy chalamet no oh okay who <laughs> Tars. Oh, Tars. <laughs> because Tars I, the robot, very cool design. So yeah, I love Tars. Tars yeah. It's a crazy design because it's like about four like metal, like imagine like it's Kit like Kat. cylinders, like obelisks. no, not Kit yeah, Kat yeah. bars. What are oh, they yeah. called? It's like, like, yeah, Kit Kat, Kit Kat bars. Yeah, all lined up, and then they can like slide very ergonomically, very easily, so that the robot yeah. can walk. He's either like a, a big rectangular pillar, or he can sort of swirl around like a big moving asterisk and just like you know like twirl around like that or he can you know move like a little walking guy it's yeah. this is a pretty good robot well, is it's like it's good yeah yeah Taz is just like incredibly cool like what yeah. a great design also, Bill puppeteered that as well as doing the voice good oh Bill. you're dropping all my my bombs yeah no he puppeteered yeah. it and he puppeteered the other robot as well oh yeah the, the other Case. guy didn't even bother yeah. he was yeah. just like I'm a puppeteer it puppeteer too <laughs> And do you know the, all of his training on the first one. The, <laughs> the final beautiful bomb about Bill Irwin is that today, on the day we're recording this, Easter Sunday, it is his birthday in America, and he's seventy years old. Oh, congrats! Happy birthday, so happy Bill. birthday, Bill! One time, when I used to work at the theater company in America, one time Bill brought me a flower. It was very nice. Oh, nice! Um, so he's a lovely man. He's what a very, what very flower is man. it? Um, it was purple. I don't know enough. Was it a hydrangea? <laughs> no, it was like a bit of a flower. He just found it clearly in the bush on his walk into the theatre and said like, oh, you can have this. What That's a lovely what man. Made. What a lovely man. <laughs> Do you want to talk about his career briefly? Just like what else? He just he shows doesn't... up in a lot of stuff. He's a big New York theatre guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does clown. Yeah. Uh, he was, we, we were working with him on the show Old Hats with David Shiner, um, he did, which um... was just like a classic clowning show. It was very, very funny. He did, um, uh, and he's most famously Mr. Noodles on Sesame Street. Yeah, he did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah. Mm. As George. Um, I a guess, lot of Waiting for Godot. One guess, of the films that we saw um, during this break was Rachel Getting Married. Yeah, and, and he, he plays, plays the dad. A, a wonderful dad. He he's, should have got an Oscar nom He's great. For that. He's great in that. Yeah. What yeah. a great, yeah. oh, good film. Oh, Rachel Getting Married. Good film. Very good mm. film. Good mm. film. Very good. Acidic better caustic and hathaway has never been better like even in my mind i was like i can't suggest this for mixed bag even though i want to talk it's, about it no because you it's can't just clearly talk this not is the thing james mixed. constantly wants to suggest things for mixed bag which are clearly not mixed bags. no there's nothing mixed about that <laughs> nothing film. mixed about that film masterpiece um and hathaway what do we think about her performance in this god her liza minnelli like hair mm. no it's a no but i think she did 
fine. Like I think she's fine. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in terms of the performances, like I don't think anybody is bad. Um, no. I would say Matthew McConaughey does pretty well. I think like, this I, might I be enjoyed his performance uh, a lot. My, my favorite of his performances. There's now a lot of like, back, like there's a lot of crying. Um, and um, you know, <laughs> but not in like a way that feels showoffy. Just no, in a no. way that feels like it's emotionally truthful, which I, I really think, liked. Mm. I think you don't like initially kind of like gravitate towards this performance because it he's so close to his persona he's just like his he's not changing his accent he's just like yeah an every guy but then he actually gets some like really kind of t- meaty emotional stuff to play towards the middle and towards the end and i think he pulls it off like he's yeah. pretty good in it yeah. yeah i really bought the relationship with his daughter as well especially Perfect. in those early scenes like yeah. that is crucial for the story yeah and the, the child actor is very good yeah yeah. Timothy, um, yeah, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the yeah. child playing Murph is played by Mackenzie Foy, who I've not seen pop up since, but hopefully she's doing well. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, but she's she's very very convincing um, and is good. Sort of like uh, she has to do a lot of like shouty kind of like yeah. I hate you dad scenes in a way that could be yeah. like quite oh, cloying from a really bad child actor or from a worse direction um, yeah. from a director. And but, I think you know, you know like I, together do a very good job she's very smart the kid is very smart and i buy this kid being very smart yeah it's yeah. not you know? that kind of like she's actually just an adult bit talking like yeah she's adult not... lines in a child's body oh, there's nothing worse to me than like a precocious yeah. kid who talks like an adult like there's this yes. bit in once upon a time in hollywood where this kid who's supposedly jodie foster called trudy something is played oh, yeah. by this kid um um Julia Butters and she has the scene with like um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character and basically gives him like love advice or something and I'm just like I hate you get off of my screen yeah that's such that's a trope that I'm also like it comes up every so often and it's clearly just like adults thinking it would be super hilarious right? to, and it's just like it's it just annoying. comes off as kind of like yeah patronizing almost but it's also, because it's so silly it's a bit that kind of slays every time and it's kind of just one of those things where I'm like it's like one of those basic barometers that I have. Do you like mm. it or do you not like it? If you like it, <laughs> you're basic. Just <laughs> Yeah, because lots of people are like, that's a child, but they swore. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it works a little bit more in that film because it's kind of a more of a stylized film with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If they had tried it here, like, no, no she... yeah it's <laughs> just clicking back at but i think like it's often a, a way to show like when you have to show that a child is very smart and particularly gifted academically like yeah. one of the like terrible shorthands a lot of lazy writers will use or like lazy directors will use is to just make them act like an adult yeah. um and i think this is a really good performance because um the way she's written the way that she performs and the way that she's directed is just that she's a very bright kid oh, and we can yeah. understand that and it totally works mm. absolutely so if we were to phrase this as, uh, for me, you guys don't have to do it, but one of my bottles on the bag, another one, <laughs> is um, is that the female characters in Christopher <laughs> Nolan films aren't always that great. Like, there's there's the dead wives trope quite a lot. And there is a dead wife here. Yeah. There, is does, a dead wife. Has, there is a dead yeah, wife here. We don't, we don't see the wife die, and it's not yeah. like a major um, motivational thing. It's just a given. It's just a given. But it's the reason why he's so... Um, uh, worried about his children yeah, um, because yeah. he's the only parent left but i'd say that um there is a market improvement in the characterization i don't think it's incredible we were saying anne hathaway doesn't get a huge amount to do but like that relationship between her and matthew yeah. mcconaughey never turns particularly romantic until 
the end. There's a possi- there's sort of a sense that like, there's a possibility of romance in the future if yeah, they end yeah. up in the same look planet. But I, also, yeah, it's I, not it's definitely not a, a key no. you know motivational thing for him that he's I, wanting to go find his true love. Yeah, I liked it because I think it was like a love you know kind of connection or whatever. Like it's a connection built on kind of trust and like lots of like important like life changing but also really huge personal stakes in a mission that will definitely bond them for the rest of eternity and i th- yeah. it felt really organic to me it didn't seem forced and yeah it's um, just it seems um you know like this is sort of just what would happen if you had gone through this huge life-changing like inc- like traumatic experience yeah. which like nobody else can identify with except this one other person then of course you'd want to be with that person at the mm. end yeah I and wanna... similarly, Chastain, I think, is really strong in her her role as well. Um, oh my god, Jessica Chastain in her, like, scientist period of her career. You know, it's like this, the Martian, the motherfucker who killed Bin Laden. That's her. Zero Dark Thirty. Who... Oh. I thought that was the name of that's a very good name of a right? book. There is so there's a that. book called The Motherfucker in the Hat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's a play. Sorry, yeah, yeah, play. But yeah, um I there were a couple of moments in this film where Jessica Chastain said some science and I was like, I don't think you understand that science, Jessica. I'm not quite buying it. So the thing will... with Jessica is that she's got like you buy her if you look at her, but sometimes her voice mm. is not strong. Which is yes. like yeah. it's weak and I don't, like, want this to be a gendered thing because it's definitely not, like, you know, but it, it, I guess it doesn't um, engender authority to, like, there's something, some lines that you, when it said in her voice, it's just like... Oh, I don't God, know if it was it. for me her specific voice as much as there were just certain times when she was saying scientific lingo when I was like, I do not buy that you understand what you're talking about. This sounds like you just learned a line yeah. and you're yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. the line. The text, um, yeah. I thought, like, yeah, I wasn't, like like wow this is such a great feminist step forward for no, this no, character no, no, no. like she felt like no. a little bit tropey in terms of no, like exactly she's just uh she's a smart scientist woman that cares about science like but i don't mind that as a trope it's not like yeah. a damning trope it's just yeah. not the most interesting in the world thing for me um one thing that yeah. i would criticize is not her performance or something from the film but her twitter presence is very weird oh my god <laughs> have you <laughs> jess, seen it matt jess is just like on social media like her team needs to take her phone away from her. not because it's bad or anything she's just incredibly like precious like to a degree where i'm just like you are such a lame person jessica chest yeah it's they're overproduced i think there's like yeah, yeah. one for zero duck 30 where she's like ah oh, we're working really hard uh, and it's to do with like scrolling through netflix to pick which jessica chastain movie she yeah. should do someone told her she was funny and she's not yeah yeah it's like you can be many you are many things jessica but <laughs> you don't have to be you, you don't have comedian. to be a comedian it's all right you've got other skills although yeah. i would like to see her in a comedy I don't think I have. Yeah, it could be like a um a date night kind of turn, like Rachel McAdams. Look, everyone does a comedy like Michelle Williams did. I feel pretty, um, and apparently she's funny in it. So you know, I never would associate Michelle Williams with funny, but there you go. Oh, that's the Amy Schumer film, huh? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard that is terrible (laughs) as a film, but I have not seen it, so can't judge. But the premise does sound awful. (laughs) Yeah, Um, quite. Yeah. So in terms of like the emotional stakes of this film, this is what I think, like for me, I think this was a thing that worked and I'm interested oh, to see what it thinks for the rest of you guys because like I, I clearly for some people it didn't really work. But like I really, like 
I thought that one of the things that was interesting, probably the most interesting thing about this whole film for me, was that it takes the speculative fiction, um, you know, concept of exploring time and space and specifically exploring how those two things intersect and how, like, what the, um, you know, effects would be of going through different time speeds um, by traveling through different planets and then looking at the emotional impact of that specifically rather than just, like, you know, a, a kind of more here's the scientific theory isn't this interesting how different times have passed and like because you could definitely see another filmmaker doing something in which it's less about like his personal relationships back home and more about like how the world has changed as a whole in the past 20 years but we don't really get like basically the world is just the same but slightly worse whereas the whole focus is on like him getting to having to miss seeing his kids grow up and the absolute trauma of that and also like to me like it's so easy to tag on kind of like you know, those emotional stakes as a motivating factor. Mm. Whereas to me, this felt really organic. Those were the stakes for him. Mm. Instead yeah. of just something to kind of soften the character. And it's know? the, yeah. And, and and in some ways, it's not that they're like a motivating factor. It's in fact like the motivation to not do the, the mission. Exactly. It's, is it's, the stuff. It's, it's basically, this is the sacrifice that he's having yeah. to go, do because he knows that he needs to go out and save humanity. It um, is inherent to the stakes yeah. of what he's doing. Like, yeah. I really... No, no no father should have to see their son turn from Timothy Chalamet yeah. to Casey Affleck. <laughs> no. <laughs> I really appreciated yeah how much it it sat in the emotional um state in the second half of the film because um yeah, it it, it felt like a good counterbalance to how fast the momentum of the story was going when we meet when we get introduced to like NASA where it's just rattling yeah. through the situation that I'm like, whoa, I know Nolan is great at it, like rattling through so it feels kinda normal, similar to Inception, where it's like, oh well this is just the world and this is how it is. But it goes so frenetically that you're like, can we please just take a breath? And thankfully the film does in the second. Yeah, and this is kinda why I never like took as much to inception because like you are like it's it's very like high mm. in this in this realm of like this is the concept we're explaining it um you're in for the ride and then you've got this like story of of, of Miriam Cotillard the wife character underpinning his like storyline and I never like hit to me I was like I don't care there's yeah. it, it's it's never yeah. organically um kind of it's, integrated to to what he's meant to be doing so it just yeah. feels tacked on and just something it feels like there. what they wanted to do was focus on yeah. like it's a dream within a dream how do the timelines yeah. like marry up and like yeah. his his because christopher nolan is so interested in time 100 oh, and it's like the biggest thing that he's most interested in in the, this later part of his career um and instead like the marion cotillard storyline like i guess it does i guess in some ways come out of that idea but it seems more like it's kind of tacked on top i've I never cared about I never cared about Mal and Inception. Whereas I definitely cared about Murph in, yeah. in Interstellar. I feel like the most emotionally honest moment of Inception is Killian Murphy with Pete Postlethwaite <sighs> on the bed. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the <laughs> Which, stuff like, that is, really works. Like specifically fake <laughs> yeah. like, in the world. And and they've, they've created it completely as a fiction. And you always know that like, if you're leading with emotion, that you're pretty much like waiting in mat parameters when it comes to film <laughs> you're in the in the waters of of of, of my island yeah my, my island paradise of film um so that's why i think i i kind of like um cotton on more to to um interstellar and i think that relationship between murph and coop um matthew mcconaughey's character is like really wonderfully um 
kind of explored in like that those first 15 20 minutes like you kind of get the mm. um strength of their bond and mm. their connection like their scientific connection and yeah i think that's we never we care because christopher and, and the filmmakers took the time to uh, establish that relationship and make us care about it so similarly the- i think with the sun as well like where like sometimes a parent and a and a kid just don't click as much and that even though it's kind of funny watching watching the favoritism towards me oh yeah tom (laughs) but like he like the even though i i dislike casey affleck strongly i feel like the the character that timmy was playing and that who casey affleck was playing with tom like that matched up of like oh well you know i'm just i'm just a farmer like i Good casting, guys. Like, Good casting. Yeah. It does, like, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> you, you can predict it happening. And, and that brings me to my final uh, bottles in the bag, which is there is a sensation when watching a big budget film where you look at any cast member and they are a famo of some sort. There's just, it's like a sweeping epic where, like, a David Lean film where, mm. like, you a short little two-minute scene is played by, you know, uh, um, Alec Guinness or something. Yeah, shall we list the names? Let's do it, yeah. So, we so have the big ones. cast, we've got Matthew, we've got Jessica, we've got Anne. Timothy. We've got Timothy. <laughs> we, well, I mean, you know, it's famous yeah. now. We've got, we've got Casey. We've, we've got, got Casey. We've got Matt um, Damon. Matt we've got Damon. Michael Caine. We have John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah. Um, we, uh, have we have David Oyelowo o- as a yeah, just as popping teacher. up there for like as one the scene. As the teacher, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, we have... Um, oh, oh, we have what, we've got Wes Bentley. Yes, is, Ricky um, Fitz from American from Beauty. American Beauty. It's weird that he still has a career. He's such a strange-looking man. And then the one that made James just just bite his tongue and <laughs> drop everything he was holding. Topher Grace. Oh, yeah, Topher. <laughs> Which, when we saw him, we were like, what? Well, Why is he here? <laughs> it, it's so weird because how he's introduced, he it's in the hospital where we first meet him, mm. where Michael Caine is, is sick. It's been a number of years. Mm. And he's talking oh, also to... Also, Ellen Burstyn, guys. Just oh, and Ellen, Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> First, and she's the first one that appears. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he gets introduced like he's a nurse or like a doctor of some sort. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's just through here. Yeah. And we assume, okay, Topher's just a nurse. That's or a doctor. That's really weird. Um, yeah, because he doesn't really come up for a couple more scenes, and so literally all we've seen of him, it's like like an like you know uh, a one line character that's like an orderly. Yeah, in which the is hospital. absurd. You're like, oh, and okay. And we're like, why is Topher Grace the orderly? And was that another guy that just looks like him? Like- Turns out he's Chastain's boyfriend, and they're traveling to the old house. A farmstead. Yeah. Later on, we're like, okay, he is a character, but it's just such a like he hadn't been introduced at any point before that, so we were just like, who is this nurse? Why is he playing? This don't character? mind it because it's like you definitely <laughs> recognize him, so you're like, oh, why is Sophie Grace here? But the way he's integrated to the story as like um, Murph's boyfriend, I didn't mind it. I think it was kind of cool. Like, we didn't I guess need just the celebrity image of Topher is so so odd because I guess but like I feel like once you see him it's immediately clear to me that I'm like oh he's gonna play some part in this whole thing like I was just not clear what their relationship was until they had that kiss at the end I was just like are you the boyfriend are you like a colleague are you an assistant who are you like Like, to (laughs) me like I I I got the whole story I think to me it was like a will they won't they he's been in love with her for a long time Mm. this is Matt extrapolating (laughs) I got it it's Look, not in there. For, for because, me, though... Well, because I t- like their body language didn't seem boyfriend and girlfriend mm. all throughout. Yeah. Like, to me, it was clearly, like, he clearly had some emotion for her, and she was only, like, 
and she only kind of just got it towards the Later end man. once once all the love stuff came through i don't know like she's only had one man in her life and it's been her dad yeah. she needs to make space uh, oh my god for someone the else. squeaky um semi squeaky moment of of like adult matthew mcconaughey t- talking to like like little murph as a kid and he was like i might come back and we might be the same age and I'm just like, what is it? Don't tell her that. You're like, I'm glad that did not happen <laughs> yeah, because that would have been weird. quite weird, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so, uh, yeah. yeah so the, for, for me with Topher, it just kind of threw me because we have had, and obviously Iyelawo wasn't famous at the time, but no, like wasn't, these no. tiny little appearances of yeah. quite famous people that I was like, if he's just there and then gone, that is absurd. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we also have, I mean... Romley, who's not that famous, but played by David Gassi. I don't know where he's from, but he's important to I the plot. Not, <laughs> I did not recognize him, yeah, uh, no. that actor. But he's, he's Who was good. that? The, the other guy that's on the ship that like he stays on there to work. and he's, like, like the wormhole expert. 23 yeah. years. Yeah. He had a weird line delivery. Or maybe yeah. it's just his voice, but I was Possibly. like... Um, was I, think, <laughs> I think the thing, like one of the big things that I loved about Inception is how Maxim... Inception. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> oy, oy Interstellar. Interstellar is how um, like sweeping it is how mm. epic it is how audacious um the visual storytelling is it's like so beautiful like i just oh, space movies are so beautiful like they get me like i forget how um beautiful like cinema is sometimes like the images that they can conjure up but space movies get me every time the vastness and then just the beauty of of, of uh the wonder and i don't know I love it. I, yeah, I agree. I feel like space is such a beautiful place to be photographed and looked at and a place mm. that I would never, ever like to go. So um, this is moving on to the bananas in the bag. The bananas <laughs> in the bag. I was trying to figure it out. But, but the my, bad lollies that no one likes. My worst God. lolly is... <laughs> to me, it's, it's, it's the black licorice in the bag. Like, oh, that's the black me. licorice in the bag. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I was thinking of a lolly um, that is a... Uh, awful term for an Inuit the Inuit culture <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to make oh, it oh I was like what okay yes uh, but yeah. bananas in the bag or licorice in the, the bag like I don't know banana right. lollies I just remember the time that uh, what's it called uh, Pascal lolly bags did an actual ad in which all of their different mixed um, mixed lollies came out and pretended to be different like circus uh, performers and they were like jelly beans and they did a little like somersault jet planes and they like flew around and then it went bananas and then bananas <laughs> came out and like fucking fell over and I'm like yeah. if you Pascal lollies know that everyone hates bananas why do you continue to put them in the bag <laughs> but I think anyway. you just keep on reproducing it mm. until it becomes a nostalgia like anyway. yeah bananas. it's like one of those things like cherry ripe and Turkish dessert where Someone will like it, you know. Like, I don't mind Turkish delight. Well, I don't know. I've Turkish made. You just skimmed over <laughs> that it. so smoothly. Um, anyway, okay, so what uh, is the case is, against Inception? The case against this Inception. In- order, order. <laughs> well, in the case against Interstellar. In fact, is probably what more relevant at this moment. One, um, the title is too close to Inception. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, uh, I hate space. <laughs> Uh, Matt's like the space is so beautiful I'm like I want to curl up in a ball and hide I had to watch all of the bits where they were in space like through my fingers 
like through like the little cracks that I couldn't see them. I kept like moving further and further away from yeah. the screen. So what what Cass was doing? It's not like a fun scared. It's like she goes stiff like a deer in headlights, and then she just starts slowly sliding down the bed. It's not that it's scary so I get much. It. It's, it's very dangerous. Space is horrifying. It's very dangerous. You can't breathe. It's huge. No. It's yeah. everywhere. It's just right there. It's definitely. You can't tell people. Oh, it's just a movie. Space is. I'm like, space is real. They have got black holes. There are wormholes. Melancholia could come and hit us at any moment. That's true. Like you know, we could get hit by an asteroid right this moment. If the sun <laughs> exploded right now, we wouldn't know until the point where we just died. Like, space is horrifying. And I think people, like, lauded uh, Nolan for, like, the most accurate, like, scientific as much as you could, like, uh, representation yeah, of space and Yeah, the more scientific the space is, the worse it is, <laughs> from my yeah. perspective. Just, honestly, my anxiety at an absolute peak, like, mm. throughout this film, I could no. not deal with the space. Especially when Matt no, Damon fucks it. up everything by trying to it. dock. Oh, I love man. it. Oh yeah, just that that was very anxiety-inducing. Trying to dock the space, the 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 one of the machines, the other one, like anybody getting trapped and you know swallowed by space. Any time that they had to like fly through some sort of like time-shifting thing, yeah, I was just like, oh oh, my whole skin, my body wants to just jump out of my skin right now at this moment. It's mm. just horrifying to me. I think the appeal for space to me is like. Yes, it is. It does exist, but it, it's also kind of like unknowable in a lot of ways. Like, if you see like a big voyage by ship, be like, we can do that. That's fine. Space is not for everyone. Space is like for a select few, and <laughs> and when you get to space, there's no guarantee that you'll find a utopia in another planet. The risks are so high. I know that's all the bad things. These are all like, bad things about space. <laughs> <laughs> but the rewards of being the only person to see incredible beauty of yeah i think that's part of the tragedy for me as well where it's like you could like spend all these all this training all this emotional kind of labor and 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 risk everything in your life for it to be futile and that's tragic and that's poetry and that's beautiful and i love that and that's (laughs) what we kind of get with the matt damon character which oh i just found a little bottle that was still in the bag uh great use of matt damon because um, you said this while we were watching it, mm. that he fits a kind of skeezy, kind of like ah. slimy cowardy, filled with cowardice. The uh, thing is, <laughs> cowardy. The thing is, he can do the other bit as well. Because like in the Martian, he's the face, and he's like the hero that we root for. And I find found myself rooting for him. He's a good everyman, I think. And I think this is a good kind of subversion of that. But he does this really well. Yeah, mm. and it came he, at the right time when people were starting to see his celebrity. Well, I don't know if it was right at that point, but now how we how I view Matt Damon is like, oh, he can play the everyman, and I can suspend my disbelief, but also he's got some weird opinions. And he does kind of annoying. He's de- yeah. definitely the lesser of the three Afflicks. So there you go. <laughs> um, but I also but the I asshole say, will rub not, off on you. <laughs> I did not. Um, yeah, noted. Like realized that he was going to betray them. Um, so that was kind of a good twist. Mm. In terms yeah, of, you know, like I was definitely not expecting it till they came out of the blue for me. There's a part where they're discussing, um, like he kind of explains, like, oh well, we are the, you know, we are going to be the new human race. We're going to start it up. And I had heard that Matt Damon was a villain, but it hadn't happened at that point. And maybe I thought in my mind, I was like, oh well, I guess maybe it's just different perspectives and morally gray no one is bad really in this film it's he's just facing hard truths and then later he like started whacking matthew and i was like okay. truth hurts james yeah it does. um just 
like in, in terms of performances, Ellen Burstyn's cameo at the end just was beautiful. I mean, yeah, she's very good. She's yeah. great. That was like her like old Bryony Tellus moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't get what that reference is, it's atonement. She keeps her whole and keeps and, her hair the same her unlike, whole life. Unlike Bryony, she did not keep her hair the same. So you yes. know. The, the Real, filmmakers trusted us to realize it was the same character without giving us oh, the same hairstyle. She has the same name. I, I mean, if. to me, I justify that now as like, you know, part of her atonement, keeping that ugly ass haircut throughout <laughs> all of her life. And I'm like, my papa kept the exact same haircut from like the earliest photo I had of him was age two. And he had that hair and he died with that same haircut. Yeah. And, like, there was the same bottle of shampoo in his shower at home from, like, as long as my entire lifetime with when, when he was alive. Like, so, the, I don't know. The only reason <laughs> why I'm changing up my hair was right now is because I don't have access to a hairdresser. No. <laughs> I think we should all come out of this with mullets. Like your uncle. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, what else? The script is ridiculous, guys. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, yeah. The, the motivations are, like, what? <laughs> like Michael Caine has actually solved the um so it's futile. The mission is futile, right? Like, yes. He's yeah. got he's basically been lying to everybody to convince them to go on this voyage, including his daughter who he sent off on the voyage. Um he knew that he, she and Matthew McConaughey would never go if they knew what the real mission was, yeah. which is that they are going to go off and start a new colony because they're yeah. taking with them all of these like fertilized human yeah. embryos. There's a plan A and a plan B. And yeah. plan A is futile, but plan B is what Kane and, wants and to implement. And plan implement. A is like it's like pushing earth or like or satellites off to the space to make colonies is that i can't plan a i think just is at some point we will all relocate yeah yeah exactly to this other planet plan b is like taking the shit ton of embryos and like recolonizing and we will just recolonize and we'll leave everybody that's left on earth to die so this long con of this old man deceiving everyone including his daughter I guess, and I mean, I'm also like, that's such a selfish thing from his perspective, because it means that his daughter is one of the two humans that gets to, well, you know, assuming it would have been four of the, of the whole mission had survived, but like yeah. one of the two humans that gets to survive yeah, in the like, new future. I'm new going future. to look after my own. <laughs> also the um, only woman, so like, what's happening there? Yeah, yeah, surely they could have thought about that <laughs> yeah. when they were, you know, I don't know. They were expecting also, that, like, really, like this can is only... Like Perhaps we'll have can 10 only human so embryos yes. which will just like hatch somehow from this thing. Like, do we not need a human surrogate for this? Yeah. I don't know. Um, also, she's going to have to raise 10 children on <laughs> Mars. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, the other thing is that he kept quoting that Dylan Thomas. Just we have to keep weaving that Dylan Thomas into the plan. Into the, Man, into the, it the happens like over and four over. times. Four or five, maybe? Yeah. Like, I've met Damon also. Look, it's a good poem. It's a good poem, but we don't need to just have it over and over and over. You can do with it once. (laughs) It's the one poem that he memorized in high school, okay? Yeah. And he's like, I have all eight verses of this down. How old is it to impress Anne Hathaway's mother? Yeah. How (laughs) else are they going to know that he's cultured? Like, he's never never read any of those books in his library. (laughs) So, like, say he's having, like, a bad meeting, a bad conference at NASA, and everyone's feeling a bit demoralized. He's like, well, remember, everybody, do not go quiet into the night. (laughs) And everyone's like, yeah, that's true. That is some poetry. What other bananas have we got? Um, I'm, yeah, it's the bookshelf of it all. Is weird. You know, I'm, I'm not like, saying it's an out and out. No, banana. no, it's it's weird because it's just like the specific 
I guess, coordinates yeah. of, of... So I guess does like, it, we, like, we ma- did sort of, like, flick <laughs> over this because it was part of our very quick summary, but basically yeah. the last-ditch thing that Matthew McConaughey does is send Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway off alone to the third planet, the, the last chance for survival, and instead take his part of the ship to this black hole because uh, Romilly, the other guy, mm-hmm. Rom... Yeah. Um, at some point had mentioned that if you go super fast in a black hole, it might do something blah. And I'm like, I don't know about that logic. You, you get to the, it's called the singularity. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay. So you go through the singularity. Um, and what's inside the black hole is a gigantic tessellated five-dimensional map of this bookshelf. But did it from map, his home? <laughs> did it map to his DNA when he entered that? No, no. I think oh, so like Tars, what Tars. the... Yeah, like what it seems like Taz says is yeah. that it's this whole black hole was built by humans in oh. the future that have progressed to the point where they can make such a thing, yeah. specifically for him, the astronaut Matthew McConaughey oh, Cooper, right. so that he could communicate to his own childhood home. Basically, what Matthew McConaughey is saying is that time is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so Chastain has, because we learn, they keep on referring it to a they, a they, but then it turns out that his daughter is actually able to create yeah. this technology through his help. Okay. The, yeah, in terms of, like, the deus ex machina at all of this black hole being specifically created, like, it's is it Arthur C. Clarke that says that su- sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. we're at that I mean, level with this sci-fi. It, it worked enough for me because I was like, how is... And it, like... It wasn't that super ridiculous for me to, like, not buy it. I was definitely, like, there were some raised eyebrows, but I could, like, yeah. when I squinted, I could be like, okay, that's enough. Yes, I think I got there with you on yeah. that. like, oh, fine, cool. Because it, it's based around this theory that Anne Hathaway gives when she's trying to go to the planet uh, where her old flame is at around, like, shouldn't love and the influence of love determine where we're at? Like, yeah. shouldn't that be the science? Uh, and Kaz, while watching, was like, uh, this is a bad theory. This is a bad argument. God like, the, if the argument look. is like, oh, you should go to my boyfriend's planet because I want to see him <laughs> yeah. or this other guy's planet because love is the most important force in the world, I'm like, I, bad science. I, I roll. <laughs> One of the many preposterous, like, look, I know screenplays more than dialogue, but some of the dialogue in this film is IRL worthy. Like her whole yeah. screen about love, IRL. Whenever like Jessica Chastain was doing science lady stuff, like on the board, and yeah. like she like when she finally cracked it, she tosses the papers over the thing, and she's like, "Eureka! What? It's tradition." Oh, that was oh, the worst. Oh my god! No, I'm like, you need those papers. <laughs> yeah. Like that's your Someone's theory. Someone's gonna go pick Someone's it up. Someone's gonna go pick that up. You're gonna miss one of the pa- one of those pieces is gonna have fallen someone's coffee, and you're gonna be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> she's got. They've got traditional papers. Just, just for like tossing. That's like, yeah. tossing Bring out papers. the traditional papers. <laughs> Bring out the traditional tossing papers. <laughs> yeah, the, tossing. <laughs> the tossing papers for tosses. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. No, there's some weird bad dialogue, bad motivations, like weird kind of just like scenarios. But yeah, the baggable offenses. The um, there's a nice moment that uh. <laughs> some just absurd images that I jotted, jotted down. One is Topher Grace, question mark, question mark, exclamation mark, which we've covered. There's another one where um, Nolan has a fun way, and this is more bottles, tiny little bottles, um, where we're flying into a planet and um, the ship hits a bit of the cloud and it goes, and McConaughey just says, frozen cloud. And you're like, <laughs> 
Cool. <laughs> we're like, we're not going to explore yeah. that. No, of yeah. course, there's frozen clouds here. It's a frozen cloud planet. One of the other little additions is that there's these jetpacks for their arms, which they can just shoot around, which yeah. actually turns out to be important when he's in the bookshelf. Uh, because then he can shoot around in his big space world. And then finally, um, there's a bit where Matt, Matt Damon has turned evil, and he starts oh, just God. whacking Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> forehead. And then Matt, Matthew is just like, ah, what are you, no. I've, I've heard my name so many times throughout this whole podcast, and I was like, I just realized it's Matt Damon and Matthew McConaughey. It's Matt and yeah. Matt having a fight. Matt on Matt. So maybe yeah. this is a film about me. <laughs> yeah, this film was actually sent by them it's, it's, in the future oh yeah, they're yeah. Just to like, inspire you to yeah. study hard, become an astronaut, join NASA, Duh. and exactly. later on save all of humanity. Yeah, I mean, your monologue about going to the outer reaches, that was inspiring shit. I was moved. <laughs> I was I, not. I still have space. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty much like, I was like, when, when Matthew McConaughey was like, why are we staying in this planet? We should go. I'm like, we should go out there and, and, and when did we not become travelers? I'm like, you stay with your family. Like, I get it if you don't have stakes, but also like it could be so perilous. But yeah. I already saw this movie, so I know which I mean also that I'm would sure be... he's thinking like the us as a as a humanity, as the human yeah. race should go out know, and save humanity. Not me specifically, father <laughs> too. Like... I mean, you never know. But also, yeah. can you imagine if he was just like, Yeah, no, I'm just gonna stay in the shit like de- decaying planet. What, yeah. like, best original short, like, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> a five-minute you know, movie. Do you know yeah. that the um, the Blight is based on an actual event that happened called the Dust Bowl, oh, uh, yeah. which yeah. happened around the yeah. De- Great Depression, um, yeah. where oh, they honey, just had long just, stretches of it? That's what they call my nether regions. Kidding. Let's not. not let's, cut <laughs> let's cut that out. Let's cut that out. It's no, isolation. We're keeping that out. Anything else to say before we get to our bag it or biff it? Oh. No, let's do it. do it. Bag or boots. I'll go first. Um, I love this film. I um, when I first saw it in the cinema, I would like had no. I was very like oh, Christopher Nolan. I was like like buying into the anti hype of Christopher Nolan. Turns out, upon reflection and with some distance, I actually quite like all of his films. It's just the hype and the machine around it is just very annoying. Um, but. Um, I didn't know what to expect seeing this movie and I cried my eyes out because I think the emotion running through this film is very genuine and I think this is his best movie. I think this is the closest movie he has to a masterpiece because he just goes, swings for the fences. There are some lows in this movie, but like the risks that he takes emotionally, he finally like lets go of his like emotional, like his like his, his barrier like to, to show emotion. He just like lets his hair down and just like, and once you uncover that, it's just like like such a vulnerable beating heart. Like those messages that like that scene where Matthew McConaughey is like watching the messages from his kids from like Timothy Chalamet to Casey Affleck. And and, and at the end when 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 Ellen Burstyn and, and Matthew McConaughey finally meet, I'm just like those are just like two little small kind of nuggets of, of pure genuine vulnerability and, and human kind of like he pontificates about love and blah 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 but like the way he shows it in those two scenes beautiful um so i'm not gonna call this a masterpiece but because it's got some flaws but i think it's pretty good and i i was like actually kind of um 
dreading seeing it again because I was like, I've been talking this movie up for a long time, and what if it's actually shit? But no, I enjoyed it the second time as well. Bag. Nice. Um, I'm in pretty similar territory actually. Uh, I I do really like this film. I'm really glad that I was actually able to see it. I think that there's moments of really gripping action as well. Like Nolan is able to integrate all of his like roller coaster kind of thrills um, of like so like Matt Damon trying to dock and fucking it up, and then um, again. <laughs> metaphor what? from my second let's not let's not <laughs> metaphorically uh and matthew mcconaughey having to like spin into the the uh, this interstellar station um in order to to save it that's incredibly like amazing kind of filmmaking and i do think that those emotional um scenes that you named are really really beautiful and that they've been built uh you know the artifice has been built all of this you know speculative sci-fi builds to moments of true human kind of connection i do think that some of the like anne hathaway's monologue the bookshelf and stuff it's it's a bit too weird for me to fully like embrace as a film it's so it's such a weird film man Tur- like this turns, is such a turns out the reason christopher nolan like clogs his films up with all this like you know intellectual shit is because he's incredibly corny like <laughs> yeah he's a corny dude um so like it isn't my favorite nolan film i feel like for like oh, what's your favorite for popcorn thrills, I'd say, and like just comfort, it's the prestige. I'd forgotten about it until just now. Mm. I was like, oh, that's oh, right. A fun film. That one about that's the fun. two magicians and Michael Caine talking about dead birds. Um, and for a film that I feel like Nolan's starting to tap into like more emotional kind of resonance, I'd say like Dunkirk is something that feels like both leaner but also has a similar emotional resonance as this film. I like how wild this film is. It's just like. It's so wild. Like, anyone could have like, made Dunkirk. Like, honestly, Sam Mendes just made Dunkirk, like, last year. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like that there was more... There's a lot more nuance to Dunkirk than something like 1917. I which do love I do love A Dunkirk. little gimmicky. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That Space, you know, 2001. Like, it's one of our most beloved films, but it's so weird. And when you go to space, you're allowed to get weird because it's existential. It's huge. It's, it's a vast nothingness. So, um, yeah, it's a bag for me. Okay, um, so this is probably the most mixed of all of the films that we've seen on Mixed Bag for me, because on one hand, I think that the emotional elements of this film are just totally spot on. I think, like, the father-daughter relationship stuff, the, like, absolute human tragedy of, like, having, you know, been, like, displaced from time and um, having to, you know, watch other people go through time in a different way to you um, is, is, like a really good humanistic way of looking at speculative fiction, which I think is one of the things that, when it's done right, is the best thing about speculative fiction, is looking at those emotional stakes. On the other hand, I just, like, find so many elements of it, for me personally, was so difficult to watch, just because I found them, like, just absolutely <laughs> abhorrent and terrifying. Um, and, like, I just, I just, I, I don't know if I could watch, like, a lot of this again. Um, I really like some of the weirder stuff, like, that you guys are talking about in terms of, like, it's, he's a ghost and he's the one pushing the books because he went through time. I'm like, I don't, uh, cool, because, like, that stuff seems, I guess, less realistic. Um, that's the stuff that I'm like, okay, cool, I can go with this. Whereas the actual, like, more scientifically grounded space exploration is the stuff that I just, ah, uh, I just really cannot, like, watch. Yeah. So I think, ultimately, for me, this is a bag 
but I also never want to see it again. No, fair. <laughs> there are some films you only have to see once in your life, and you're like, I'm that was like, a good look, film. I don't want to see this again. Um, it's objectively like there's a lot of really good stuff in it. There are definitely some scenes that like I think uh, like will stick with me for a long time, and that are really in like a, in a good way. Um, particularly all of those those moments of like real emotional truth. But like, oh man, space the worst. I mean, cast in space, no one can hear you scream. So, scream away. <laughs> so now we can officially bag Interstellar. <laughs> Cool. I mean, look, Matt vindicated. Matt, Matt, and Matt vindicated. <laughs> um, All the Matt's vindicated. Yeah. And a stellar bagged. Love it. Bagged. Um, we're looking forward to Tenet, if it ever comes out. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I love Robert Pattinson. I just love him. He's like, great. Uh, a great lockdown watch uh, is The Lighthouse right now, because it's about isolation and having to, you know, if you are living with someone I mean, you don't you like. I've d- already d- heard our, our, our views on The Lighthouse. Depends uh, on how good. you view isolation, but yes, it's True. a good film. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah. Get, get yourself some beans and sit down and have a watch. And reassure yourself that at least your lockdown isn't as bad as those two lighthouse keepers. If you want to suggest more films for us to review or yeah. come review with us, where can you find and connect to us, James? Well, you can uh, let us know in a review on iTunes and uh, five stars, please. Um, <laughs> a, a president has been set. Like, just yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or you can um, tweet at us on Mixbag Pod of the social media kind of channels. That's probably the most active one. It's kind of where we can have the most fun and get the most silly. Um, Mixbag Podcast on Instagram will also keep you up to date with all of our stuff, show, see some fancy high res images, and we'll also be there on Facebook letting you know when the episodes are dropping on Mixbag Podcast as well. All right. Um, so you can find me on at Lula Morashi, L-U-L-A-M-O-R-A-S-H-I on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at James Kane 92 on Twitter and James Edward Kane on Instagram. You can find me at Real Loverins on Twitter. Um, and, you know, why not go for an Easter egg hunt and find me on Instagram if you can. Um, and, and still find that TikTok and send <laughs> that TikTok to Where's us. Where's that TikTok at? Yeah. Um, yeah, and definitely go to our Twitter to check out Call Me By Your Name 1997. I love it so much. <laughs> it's very good. That's it for us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. You like those flicks? Come get your fix in a podcast called Mixed Bag.